Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11. Glad that you are back with us, glad that we are here with you. Today we're going to be giving away our gift card for the March Madness and we're going to be talking really specifically about um, college experience. We're going to be reflecting on what college has been like for us, what were our expectations, what were we wrong about, what were we right about, and a whole lot more. So that's coming up, glad you're tuning in. We're here with the last two episodes of this season of the Abstract Podcast, and as kind of the concluding episodes, um, we thought as this podcast is concluding its season, it is correlating with um, Dave and I both completing our college experience, at least as um, undergrad studies go, and so we thought we'd reflect on that some today. So that's what we're going to be talking about a bunch today, but we have a few logistical things to take care of first. First, good, good logistical good things. Logistical things. Yeah. Um, first, there's a lot of winners today. Yeah. Um, Luke wins a Sonic gift card for coming in first, right? Yeah, so we had the March, the March Madness, Madness bracket. basketball bracket challenge. Luke Bear, my brother, also known as Chips Ahoy in the bracket challenge, wins the Sonic gift card. I promise there was no foul play. He really did win. Yep. He beat me quite soundly in that one. So congratulations, Luke. I hope you enjoy your Sonic and if you save the gift card until I get there, I'll be happy to use half of it. Second place was going to get an Abstract Podcast mug, which might have been the best gift, honestly. I know, that should have been and first. And Will Brubaker is the winner of the Abstract Podcast mug. Congrats, Will. We'll be reaching out and getting your address and shipping that shortly. May it serve you many, many cups of whatever you want to put in it. Exactly. We also need a little bit of listener feedback um, so this is the conclusion of this season of the podcast, and we have kept this podcast going pretty much most of our time here at TFC, but we are completing our time here, so we are now facing the crisis of decision right. to continue or to hang it up. And so um, we thought we would throw it out there to listeners if you think it's a thing that uh, should maybe die off, or if we should try to keep it going, it would have to be over Zoom as Javen is moving in, what, two weeks to Arizona? Um, so there would be some, it would be more, maybe quality of, uh, sound would be just a hair lower. Who knows? Um, but that is, uh, one thing we would love to hear some listener feedback about. Yeah. Sorry for bouncing out there. I was adjusting Colin's volume. He was a little bit hot on the mic there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be heading to Arizona like <laughs> so soon. Um, graduate by graduation's guys. the 23rd. I think we're flying out on the 28th. So it is so much faster than we had anticipated, but. It's kind of what needed to happen for the job I got at Grand Canyon University. But we can talk about that kind of at the end, about the future. So, So, yeah, we want to hear – I mean, I did hear this – I was listening to this podcast, um, The Office Podcast, which is done by the guy who plays Kevin. Someone Bumgarner. I forget his name. But anyway, Steve Carell was on there talking. He was just talking about his acting gigs and how he always tries to – he never, like, lets it get dry. He said, like, Mm. whenever he's with something that's really good – he often tries to leave even before it. It feels right. like it's over just because you don't want to get stale. Like you want to, right. he wants to always yep. keep challenging himself. But on the other hand, if you have something good going, you want to just right. keep it going. And it's not that we're only here to talk because of what the listeners think or what you guys appreciate. That's part of it, though. So I don't know if you have thoughts about the podcast or a direction it could head or whether or not it should just right. retire after four seasons or keep going. We would love to hear from you on right. that. Right. Right. So, um, 
now let's start talking about it's kind of a clunky uh clunky segue but we're going to start talking about <laughs> and reflecting on our college experience and we'll kind of talk through the flow of our background a little bit that brought us to college and then our experience of college and then what the future looks like and mixed in there there's going to be like a speed round with just some little one answer one word answer questions cool. about different things um yeah. From our college experience. So I wanted to just start by saying, um, I remember back when I was trying to decide, well, it was one of the majors. I mean, you have to make a lot of decisions when you go to college. Right. I mean, first you have to decide to go, then you have to decide what school you're going to go to. You have to pick a major and all that kind of good stuff. And I just remember working through that process. My parents were very supportive. Um, they helped me as best they could, but I was a first generation college student. I think mm-hmm. in in my entire extended family on both sides... There's only one other person who's gone to school before I started, and that person got an associate's degree from local school. And now it seems like um, it's a more prevalent kind of theme or thing to do mm-hmm. among kind of my generation, but definitely had to work through that process myself, largely without people who knew how to help me do that. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reaching out to some people that I knew who were kind of distant acquaintances who were older and being like, hey, like, how do I do this? Or like, what's your advice? And just like, just like, can someone, you know, shine a little bit of light on what I'm about to do here? And there were some people who were really helpful in that. But I think that's what this episode is going to try to do. Hopefully is, um, I mean, it's not to say that you can't be someone who's middle-aged and listening to this. We would love that. But also for younger people, if you're thinking about this, um, we want to kind of be, start this conversation, like what it was like for us and then how we work through some of those decisions. Right. Because college, yeah, because college isn't for everybody. It is right. for some people. So, um, hopefully, through hearing how we've come to our conclusions and moved the directions we've moved, hopefully that can be helpful for you moving the needle in one way or the other. Yeah, that's what this is supposed to be. Is is helpful? Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's incredible. We we well, I wanted so I'll just start. This is clunky, right? <laughs> I remember there was this day when I had just come back. I think I had just come back from Oregon. And I just remember we had talked about going to college a lot, yeah. like whether or not we're going to do it. I just I don't even remember where we were. I remember we were driving in your parents' silver Ford Fusion oh, car. Yeah. And I think I just looked over at you and I was like, so like, are we going to go to college? Are we going to actually do this? And I was, you were like, yep, we're going to do it. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> That's we're the going. decision right there. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. And uh, that was like four years ago. And now at we're least sitting in a studio yeah. talking about it. And we are like, what? We are one week from graduation yeah. today, and I still—I mean, mine's pending still. I gotta yeah. finish my projects. Yeah, we have, we but. have papers that have to be turned <laughs> in, but assuming—assuming assuming we pass, like our hearts don't stop beating and our fingers right. don't stop typing, um, projects due this weekend, we are gonna graduate. So it's really right. exciting. So you said when you got back from Oregon, I'm trying to remember when you and I first started having conversations about going to college. Like, did you start feeling it before we feeling that you might want to go? to college before we started having conversations about it. Yeah, so that's one thing I want to talk about is the gap year. We both took a gap yeah. year. And um I think for me Well actually we took two years. We did. We actually yeah. we, we took two gap years. Yeah. yeah. And then we started going to school together. That was something that I would recommend I think I would recommend yeah. to at least a year. Kids who I are would, in high school yeah. to take that gap year. And so I wanna hear from you too, but what it did for me was for one thing just money. Right. I worked for a year and I was able to save about ten or twelve thousand dollars, and honestly, that has been really helpful for yeah. me because, you know, reflecting back, I haven't had a normal 
full-time job right since that time I got out of high school. Yeah. So like when I was 18, I worked for a year, made that $10,000. And that $10,000 is what has sustained me in some way like right a very long time. And I just I think it would have been a very different situation had I gone right from high school right into college. So money was one part of it. Yeah, no same cuz I think um for me I think of it in two two ways. One was definitely financial piece. Like it does help a lot mm-hmm. um to do that, but I think also it um it can kind of take some of the crisis of making a decision yes. while you're trying to finish up high school. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What major am I going to do? Mm-hmm. For me, it gave me two years to dabble, really. And mm-hmm. um, for me, it kind of crystallized what I want to do um, and what I want to be trained in, uh, what kind of vocational training I want. And so for me, it was really helpful um, in that way. And I felt that I could go into um, college feeling fairly clear. Um, again, there was some ambiguity. I knew I wanted to go into education. I didn't really know what I wanted, what type of education I knew middle to upper grades, but I wasn't sure like subject wise, those things had to be worked out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, because that's interesting how that worked out because so we both, we kind of worked for a year. Did you teach high school right out of, or did you teach school right out of high school? Yeah. I taught school for for two two years. years. Yeah. So, okay. So you went right into a vocation right after school. I, I built mini barns for a year, basically just to save up money. Figured out that that was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. That was helpful. But then I also went to Oregon and I did volunteer right. service, um, playing music and prison ministry for a year. And that was that was the year for me that I started working out. I just I had some free time on my hands to kind of do projects that I wanted to do. Um, I spent a lot of time doing music, and then I also started writing. And I realized I think during that time that I wanted to go to school. I wanted to, and I had no idea what kind of career I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I liked to write. And I guess looking back, the best way to say it is just that humanities types right. of degrees interested themselves in me. So when I when I started school, my target was a go, um, a bachelor's degree in English from Clemson University. That oh, was okay. what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, writing and English sound like they would go together. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll do an English degree. But so you took a, you took two years and you actually right. got to teach school right off the bat. Right, and that's what because um, my first year teaching. I said yes to teach the second year um, in January, I think, or February. If it, they would have asked in another month or two later, I would have said no because <laughs> I had a hard time my first year. I was fresh out of high school, didn't know what I was doing, yeah. and it was hard for me to do well um, at my job that year. And so I think if they would have asked me later on, they um, I, I don't know if I would have said yes, but I did say yes, and so I was locked into that next year. Um, and so I taught that next year and that's when I started feeling like how you could get into a groove and I really started loving it. Um, and thinking that I want to get trained and know how to do this better mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, I'm the same with you. There was, there was a lot of ambiguity. I was planning on getting my bachelor's from North Greenville university. Um, at that time it was just, all I knew was an education degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think I remember the first time that I really started thinking I want to go to college. And I think it was when I think it was um, Pensacola Christian College came and had a representative at our school when I was in 10th grade. And they showed brochures and stuff like that. And I was looking through their nursing and marine biologist programs. (laughs) Yeah. And I just remember having that thought sitting at the desk looking at that and like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to go do that. Um. And that, that memory stands out as pretty clear. Like, and that's, I don't know if I ever really, cause I, I, especially eighth and ninth grade, I did not enjoy school at all. I failed algebra, mm-hmm. had to take it over the summer. Um, 10th grade, I started liking school though. And something about the picture and reading down through that degree, I was like, 
Yeah. I want to go I to could college. do this. Yeah. But I don't know if you, do you have any memory like that? Like there was a time when you were just like, I want to go to school. No, I don't. Not, not really. Honestly, I think what drew, drove me to want to go to college, and this sounds bad, but it, it really wasn't bad, was I figured out by doing summer jobs and working mm-hmm. that year building mini barns, I honestly figured out what I didn't want to do. Right. <laughs> I figured out that like, for one thing, I'm not really enjoying this job in construction. It just, it just, I just didn't enjoy it. And and to be honest, I just wasn't that good at it. I just like <laughs> building things and like angles and measurements. Like I could figure <laughs> it out at least well enough for a mini barn with like help and enough time. But like, it, I just didn't click. Like it just wasn't yeah. my thing. And so I just knew that like, maybe I could stay in this job and like work up or make a lot of money. But like, I just don't want to do it. And so I was like, right. I, I seen college as a way that I could get into a different career path right. with something that I actually was gifted at and I wanted to do. But so that's one place I want to take our conversation was um, the one question we have on here. How is your perception of college and just education in general different now than when you first applied? Because I know for me, I felt a lot of pressure when I was trying to make the decision of whether or not to go to college that I needed to justify it Mm -hmm. because I did not feel like it was justifiable, mostly financially and just to give four years of my life if I didn't know the outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an area I've just really had to grow in personally is being willing to start things without knowing outcomes because you cannot know the outcome when you start college. It's four years. There's no Mm -hmm. way to know where you're going to be at the end. But I felt like if I don't know what degree I'm going to get, I can't justify going because college was always pitched to me as like so much money. Like it's going to cost you so much. Right. Only if you're going to be able to get a lucrative job at the end, is it worth it? So I'd like to hear like, was that also the perception you had and has that changed for you? Yeah, no, I would, I would share that. I think the difference is I did not have to wrestle with that heavily because going as an education major, you have a very clear <laughs> outcome. That's to get certified. It's not going to be lucrative. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, and your teaching is going to be like, your job is guaranteed at the end. Right. Or your path. Right. Your path yeah. is very like that's that's the whole reason for going is to get a wider path of the educate in the education mm-hmm. sphere or or whatever. But um, no. And I think, yeah, because I would definitely say like the way I approached college was kind of this. Um, I'm going to go do this thing so I can get this piece of paper, the certification mm-hmm. and move on to what I really want to do um, and what's really I don't know if I'd say important. But like I say that, but at the same time, there was a part of of college that really intrigued me in its newness, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, didn't know a ton of people that had gone to college. Um, I would have known a few, and so I was able to get some help from them thinking through it. But uh, generally, was was kind of excited about trying something new. I knew I knew as a going for a, a teaching degree, like at the end, it was not going to be a lucrative you know, amount of pay anyway. And so, um, to me that did kind of take some of the, the pressure off because it was just kind of, you know what you're doing, but at the same time, the field is wide open. Like you can find education mm-hmm. jobs everywhere. And so, I don't know, it kind of felt like this way of just, uh, I don't know, kind of jumping in the pool at the deep end and having to sort through how to work through it, which made it to where like, I don't know how it was for you, but when I first started going college I was kind of scared about 
or not even scared, but just apprehensive all the time because I didn't feel like I had a clue of what was going on. Yeah. And everybody else seemed to exactly. like they knew the system. Because um, going to a private school for all its benefits, it's not it doesn't use the same model necessarily as like because we started out Tri County Technical College with thousands of students, and like cycling through there trying to meet people that you had no clue who they were. Um, yeah, trying to figure out financial aid, signing up yeah. for classes. That's something that a private school system doesn't prepare you for. In all the ways it does prepare you, that's or, yeah. not really one of them. Or even like school on that larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we had six people. A large institution. Class. And this, I mean, one class has more than our whole high school in, yeah. in a college class. And you're all roaming about through all the different, there's buildings to walk to, there's places to be. And it it, it was overwhelming kind of to start with. And I always had this constant nagging feeling that I'm missing something. Um <laughs> And but everybody else seems to have it figured out. But yeah, that's kind of how I would have gone into it. I think. Yeah, you know, I think, and I'm not blaming this on anyone, but just the, the perception that I picked up of college was that you go because at the end, these people, whoever they are in colleges, have the power to write a sign a piece of paper that they're going to give to you, mm-hmm. and that's your degree, and right. that's going to be your ticket to success in life, right? And it's almost this conception that. If you could somehow get that piece of paper without having to go through the four years, you'd just be way ahead in life. Right. If you could just get that degree without the education part, you'd be the same far ahead. You know, it's right. like maybe your degree is in underwater basket weaving, but as long as you have the degree, you can go far. But um, yep. so, you know, I, I went to school, but I think that was kind of the perception I picked up. But the way I've begun to see this after four years is to to think of college more as boot camp, like. When, when someone tells you that they've gone through boot camp, it doesn't really matter, like, what their training was focused on or where right. they did it. Just the fact that they went through, it's a transformative experience. You had to go through rigorous stuff. People were yelling at you and screaming at you. Like, the fact that you made it through says something about you. And I think this is also the kind of thing where I've heard people speak really kind of derogatory towards, like, well, you just have to have any college degree to get this job. It's like they don't care what deg- what your degree is in as long as you have a degree. And it's almost like mm-hmm. that's so dumb because you could have been prepared in different ways depending on what degree you have. But I think I've actually started to understand that because it's like a boot camp kind of thing. Like if this person has a degree, it means they've gone through four years of education. They've had to write papers. They've had to take classes all across the spectrum. Like it's prepared them and changed them in a way. It's right. not just a piece of paper. I think I'm totally with you in that um... – I just finished writing my philosophy of education paper, and the one thing that I kept coming back to, and I think about it a lot, is um, Marion Montgomery. Uh, she has this quote of what education is, and she says, it's the preparing of the mind for the presence of our common inheritance, the accumulated and accumulating knowledge of the truth of things. Mm. And so I think of like, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this a bunch lately, but how, how college really is like this microcosm of the world you inhabit the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Um, there's structures, there's government, there's uh, the polity, there's, you know, all these different things. Um, and and when it's seen more as this intensive training, count, t- training ground, boot camp kind of thing, um, where where it's you're having people, you're, you're being educated. And what I mean by that is m- more like you're, you're, slowly ad, um, adjusting to knowledge that has been Yeah, you're submitting and, yourself right. to a way of thinking. Right. Um, and it's kind of, 
yeah, you're setting your, you're submitting to the ongoing work of what it means to be human, which yeah. is digging deeper into the truth of things um, as God has ordered them and created them in the cosmos. So I think that's one of the biggest things is you have to, um, you have to adopt a new posture, but it's like with, I think the boot camp, camp analogy is, is spot on because of how much when you get out of college, you're basically in an expanded university mm-hmm. um, setting. Um, yeah, well, I've often thought of that walking across campus, and we go to a really small school right. here at Tocoa Falls College, but it's like, there's the nursing department, that's where the nurses and health people are, like, there's the philosophy department, that's where our philosophers are, over there's the, our theologians are in that camp, our athletes play basketball up in the gym, um, I'm trying to think, like, our communication majors, our language yeah. majors, like, the whole world, basically, cross-cultural studies, yep. the whole world is represented here. Then we have like gov- you said, student government. Yeah, and, we have student government. Yeah. The whole world is represented here in a microcosm, and it, it's a place where you you learn how to be in the world right. before you like jump into to real life. And you know, another argument that I've heard um, is that people don't like the fact that education is four years, hmm. and you have to take all these gen general education, gen ed stuff, your prereqs. Um, the argument goes like, if you could just get right into your concentration. You would spend only half the time, half the money, and if you didn't like it, you could go back to school for something else. Right. So, yeah, and this was something I wasn't aware of when I started college, was basically the first two years that you go, you don't get to choose what you're going to take. Right. I mean, very, very generally, but, like, you're going to take English, you're going to take math, you're going to take science, you're going to take history, you're going to take probably Spanish or a language course. You're going to get a taste of everything. And I think the... um, there's different purposes for that, but it's to round you as a person, but it's also to give you a taste of the field and see what you want to do. And so I guess you kind of had decided what you wanted to do before right. you started. But for me, like, even though I would have said I didn't want to do that those first two years, I want to just get right into my English degree. What it did was those first two years showed me like, this is what it actually looks like to be an English kind of person. Like this is the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And those first two years were actually where I wrestled. And then after like a year and a half, I changed my major. I said, I want to do communication. But if it wouldn't have been for that that period of introduction, right. I don't what, know what I would be. What was your initial major? English. English. Oh, right, right. Yeah, okay. like a yeah. writing kind of major. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you there. And and I think, yeah, I think um I really like that idea of and I think like especially some some classical schools, um, especially colleges, like I'm thinking of a new college in Franklin, Tennessee, where like Jonathan Rogers would be a professor at. But the idea is, which there is, it's the whole four years. You know, other most secular universities, it's you know two years or modern of just the gen ed, right? Of just the gen ed, but and like I, they wouldn't call it gen ed, but it's just the general, um, like you do your philosophies, your Englishes, and it's it, the idea is like the first four years are meant to train the soul of the human being to love what's good, true, and beautiful in the world, and then you go on from that into your expertise, and I think that's a good way to think about. Um, education, like less as this transaction, like I'll give you this if you give me that, and more of like it's a boot camp, it's training, it's forming. Um, it has a deeply formative aspect. Mm-hmm. You're submitting yourself to practices over and over and over again that are going to shape who you are as a person. Um, and so that in that way, it's a lot more than just the diploma at the end. Um, switching gears, we're gonna interrupt yeah, our flow. Well, I want to say oh, yeah. one more thing. One thing my one professor says all the time is about how. That transactional model that we often think, like, I show up to class, you give me the lecture so I can give you answers on the test. Like, just how that just objectifies everyone in the situation. 
you can give me this so I can get this so I can give you this. And I think it also objectifies like the ideas like you think of, you know, yeah. numbers or, or philosophy ideas. Like they're all just means to an end. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's more it's about turning you to into something right. that loves truth, that knows truth. Right. Rather than just that can recite the answers. Right. Exactly. And I'll be honest, like I think that often gets lost, especially yeah. like in community college. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, oftentimes the teachers have kind of submitted themselves to that model. Right. <laughs> and I think that that was the thing I learned early on, which in one way, like because I kind of had this conception where um, I picked up that I was supposed to be suspicious, especially at a secular college. Like oh, it was yeah. kind of this boogeyman kind of idea. Well. Um, which we might get to later. Yeah, well, the next question is, what were you most afraid of when you were starting? Yeah, and I don't know if I was afraid of that as much because I didn't know what to expect. It was so unknown. I didn't feel – the fear was more about the unknown and worrying that I'm going to miss something and have to be set back and all this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. The, I, But I had this general kind of suspicion towards this college thing, thinking that – I was going to be subjected to all sorts of levels of indoctrination and all mm. these kind of things. Yeah, like you're going to and, be put in a room with atheists and you're right. going to have to stand your ground. Right. Like in God's not like dead. Like in God's not dead. Yeah, and that's <laughs> kind of the conception I had going into it. And like within the first couple of weeks, I was like, it's not going to be like that, which maybe it is like that for some people. It was not even remotely like that for me. For me, more the thing that I ran into is what we're just talking about now. I'd have professors that show up. They're like, all right, come on. I'll get you your information quick. Then we can get out of here early maybe if we get all our stuff done. They didn't really want to be there, but they'll be here just to d- disseminate and yeah. kind of, here, you have a bucket of where I can pour my information <laughs> in your brain. Let me quick do that. All right, scoot yeah. on your way and let me go back yeah. to what I was doing. Um, so I ran into that much more where it's just like professors weren't very good. Um, they weren't very competent. Some were. Some were definitely not. Um, yeah. And, and that – to me, that was more of the boogeyman. It wasn't. I I didn't really ever run into any level of indoctrination, um, yeah, whatsoever. Maybe some people do, but I did not in the least bit. Sure. So I think my fears were financial related. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Forget and, about um, that one. Yeah, it's just a testament to like I just I had no idea yeah. what I was getting into because what I found out once I actually started going was that if you're intentional about applying for things. Like, community college is actually free. Right. And that was something I did not know. Right. I thought it was going to cost me, like, thousands. It was a huge commitment. I had to get a job right after to pay all this yep. debt. It's like, no, like, community college, community college is free. I think I I spent less than $1,000 in the year and a half that I, I was at Tri-County One semester Tech. I got paid for going there. Yeah, like, your aid was more yeah. than your debt. Yeah. yeah was, which once I bought textbooks, I think. it. Yeah, mine usually balanced. Like, I could almost buy my textbooks yeah. and come out exactly yep. even. And that was just a huge misconception I had going in. But then, yeah, I I also wanted to talk about the thing that you were saying. That's so, like, I was just, like, on guard. Like, I'm going to be a Christian here. I'm going to be a minority. Like, they're all going to be attacking me. And And then you realize you're raised in, it's a Southern cultural Christian college. Yeah, then you realize, like, oh, actually everyone is probably a Christian here in the classroom, (laughs) including the teacher. Right. You probably find them all in the Baptist church at the corner on Sunday morning. Yeah. But um, I guess what I found was that they were not, the teachers that I had, the professors, they were not trying to indoctrinate me. Mm-hmm. They were trying to teach me how to think. And one professor that I really appreciated um, was Timothy Bertoni, who was a um, sociology professor at Tri County. He was probably one. Of, he was probably the best professor I had. And um, I remember being really afraid of him at first because he was pretty intense, and he was teaching us about like Marxism. Um, he was lecturing on like Aristotle and the kind of platonic thinkers Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, different ideologies. And he would be really aggressive and he would lecture as if he was the ideology he was talking about. So like he was just railing against Christianity when he was talking from Marxist 
kind of atheist perspective. And then he would like different perspectives. But I asked him one day after class, I was like, Mr. Batoni, like, are you a Christian? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, I am. And like, he wasn't trying to make us into atheists. Right. He was trying to teach us how to think about things. And that right. was something I just didn't understand going in. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of the other kids in the class right. ever picked up on that either. But. And the professors that were good at Tri-County, I've had this, I had the exact same kind of thing. Like I remember working through literature and things like that. And like the themes that, the themes that they could have highlighted in boogeyman type ways, mm-hmm. they didn't. Instead, they wanted you to learn to appreciate the genre. They wanted, yeah. um, you know, to appreciate how the story moves and the kind of flow. And I, I don't know. It just, I realized that they could have picked up on these specific things said in the story and made this whatever kind of against Christianity claim. But they didn't do that because they were more concerned that I learned how to think about this novel or whatever else was yeah. well. Um, All right, so let's move into kind of the speed round, yeah. the real quick answers. So um, what was your favorite college class that you took in the last four years? Um, I would have to either say a um, literature class I took in the summer of my freshman year or, um, boy, uh, I had a solid theology class last fall as well. So nice. probably one of those two. You? My favorite class that I ever got to take was communication ethics, which sounds Dr. like... Dr. Warner? Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Warner taught that class. I don't know. For some reason, I just thought signing up was going to be like, okay, like how do we communicate ethically and not violate any standards? Right. It was not that at all. We started in Genesis, and it was just amazing. It was one of those classes where you just walk out like feeling like... You understand or see, not understand, right. no, but perceive the world in just a completely right. new way. And I was just mind blown after so many classes. I think that made me think of, I actually would maybe put mine, um, Western thought and culture. Oh, yeah. That one for me, that reset how I approached the world. Me too. Learning. I mean, that one, if there's everything that kind of, if there's a point in my life that I could take you back to, it was that two week intensive of that class in my winter after my sophomore year. A lot of it was Dr. Wanner's lectures in in uh, Grace Chapel um, that were absolutely mesmerizing and conversations with him afterwards. I think paradigm shifting, that was one of the most significant moments of my whole college experience. Yes, and I think that that's a real testament to where it's like, I'm not here to get a piece of paper. Right. Like, I'm here to learn from people who have studied in this field for decades right. and who are going to lecture from that kind of experience and who are going to be able to to really speak into the way I'm going to see the world. Yeah. And... um. You know, I think that's one reason I really appreciate a Christian college Yeah, um, like Tacoa Falls is because, I don't know, I just feel like there's an extra layer of, like, yeah. trust that when I speak to this professor after class, I know that he or she is a brother or sister in Christ. And, like, there's just kind of that added layer right? that um you wouldn't really get at a secular university yeah. necessarily. And they've spent their lives thinking about these things and trying to learn to live yeah, faithfully. And, 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 how, to, and yeah. how to integrate them to their faith. Exactly. Yeah. So who was your favorite professor, and why were they your favorite professor? Um, Dr. Kurt Warner, definitely my favorite professor. He's the mass media kind of communication here, um, professor for the communication degree. That was a really bad way to say that. But, yeah, he's actually the dean of arts and sciences now, so he's moving up. But, yeah, I really appreciated him. Just always willing to talk after class. Even done some maybe borderline counseling with me. Like, you can really – professors are often really – just willing to listen to you, and I yeah. really appreciated that. Who was your favorite professor? My nineness is going to come out and having a hard time being <laughs> decisive. I can think of like four pop into my mind yeah. right away. So I did the first one, and one of the most significant that actually for me 
was even somewhat paradigm shifting was Melissa Blank at Tri-County Technical College, which sadly she has passed away this year. Um, But she was absolutely fantastic. Kind of this hippie woman come in there and she kind of keep you on your toes. A little snarky. A little snarky. Yeah. And she taught me, like she taught me how to read well. I honestly would credit um, most of the reading skills I've learned were, were a lot from her and she taught me how to annotate all that. But I think the things that changed the most for me were I would sit in her office and we would hash out through papers and just talk about mm-hmm. um, what what I was working on. And she was one of the most and she was she was so gracious once you if you would put in the effort to go work with her. And she was incredibly helpful. And anyway, so I, her and um, which you had her as well. I did have her. Yeah. You know, that was something I learned. I think I had her my second semester. For English 102. That was something I didn't know going in at all. And that would be a piece of advice I would give to someone who's starting college or thinking about it is usually your professors really actually love when you come to their office hours. Right. And that was something I didn't know at first. But, like, I would I started doing that for every single yep, paper. Absolutely. I would show up to her office and be like, hey, can you read this? And she'd be more than happy. She'd read down through and make the marks she was going to make on your final anyway. Yeah, and she made – I mean, she'd give you harsh critique. But it was great. She'd sit there with you and help you make it better. And that's what working through and progressing in real time with her. It's like, okay, so that's how, I don't know. It was it was the ultimate, like, sitting under a master writer kind of thing. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how good a writer she is, but she knew her stuff in that regard. Yeah. And um, I think there's also something to just the fact that when they go through and grade that paper, they have a face to put with it. Like, oh, this kid came to my office and really wanted to do well on this. I think it also helps your grades. That's yeah. what I've noticed. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go to office hours. What was the worst classroom experience you had in college? <laughs> the worst class experience I ever had. Um, this has to be a shout out to, mm, I'm trying to remember her name. Maybe I shouldn't say her name. It was a college professor who just honestly had no business being a college professor. This poor woman, she was lecturing. I had her for two classes somehow. I got her twice. She taught, um, Technology and society, I think, and then also like a world history class. And like her voice was so quiet and she would just read the PowerPoint. The kids in the back of the class goofing off would be louder than her and she wouldn't quiet them down. And it was just a really awful experience. So that was the worst experience I ever. Worst one for me was in um, a biology lab and the teacher I had – she was okay. Um, she could hardly speak English. Oh, that's tough. Um, and so, and I had this, it was a huge class. And so we were working on a lab practical, which even if you have a teacher, you can really understand lab practicals. I can't really imagine much harder things to pass than a lab practical. What, fact, do, you, what do you do? You basically, it's a combined exam of all the experiments you've done the whole year and you'll see just different diagrams. So in biology, it's like, Hey, remember that pig you dissected back in week two? What was this certain vein in his back hind leg? Um, and you just have to know all that stuff. Um, in fact, I don't know if I've ever, thankfully lab practicals are not weighted that big because they're so decimating to (laughs) the great average. And I don't know if I've actually passed the lab practical, to be honest. (laughs) Wow. That's tough. I've got some solid sixties, I think, but, um, and most everybody fails it. Hardly anybody. I don't think anybody really passes it. I don't know if anyone passed it. No. But anyway, so she was trying to explain it, but you couldn't really understand her. And so people were getting mad at her and you could feel the tensions rising. Oh it was goodness. uncomfortable. That and she, you could terrible. tell she was uncomfortable because she could tell people were getting upset, but she was trying to communicate, but we couldn't understand her. And it was just, it was not fun. That was my worst experience. 
I also, that reminds me, I had some really interesting lab experiences. So at Tri-County. Labs are where the stuff happens. Labs are yeah. where the stuff happens. I got, we did a lab together, yeah. didn't we? Was it with Igor? Yes. Yeah, we had this guy. He was a Russian <laughs> guy. <laughs> His name was, it was like I-G-O-R. Igor, and then no one even dared attempt to pronounce his last name. It was yeah, really intimidating. He used to be a tennis coach. Or Started something. with a K. Yeah. yeah, he was like in the tennis, and like he actually he knew his. I stuff. think he knew his stuff pretty well. It was like a physics lab, but it was different but bird. The, the, different <laughs> he was a very bit of a different bird. The way the labs are set up at Tri County is they're three hour periods. And yeah. Was it this one from six to nine yeah. p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. It was just brutally long, and we were me and Colin. So you, there's like these lab tables. Another piece of advice is pick where you sit very wisely because Look, where you sit yeah. is going to determine your semester. So we got in a team with – it was me, Colin. I remember this dude named Nick. Yeah. There was a guy who had a beard um, and there was other guy who just didn't care. Brian. Brian didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian came to class high most times actually. Yeah. And he would he would quick take some puffs of his vape when the teacher would turn his back. And so me and Colin ended up doing literally all of the work. Except for, for one that – Chase, oh, yeah. Chase yeah, yeah, knew this guy named Chase. He had wired up his car, so he knew all electrical. Yeah, it was like circuitry. an electrical circuit lab, and he knew it so well. That was like I, the only time he contributed. But me and Colin would do like all of the experiment, all of the calculations, all of the work, and then they would copy down our answers. But we were like, we don't want y'all touching this because you're not going to try. We're all going to get a bad grade. Yeah. I, I just remember because yeah, Brian. He, there was a couple times he came and <laughs> his, there was a couple times I look over there and his eyes were cross-eyed <laughs> and he was high as a kite and. Cuss up a storm, then ask for the answers. <laughs> anyway, that actually, that was not a great experience, but it also had some humor built you into it You know what? Well. I should try to find it. I have a picture of that lab that I took one day oh, of, really? us, of us guys in that lab. I'd like to see that. That was a pretty memorable experience, and I think we, we did okay on it. Igor, he was a different guy. Okay. This speed let's, round is taking so it long. It is. Uh, let's finish with this. Best book you read in college. Do you want to go first while sure. I think about it? Uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Wow, that was, I read that. You had that. You had that uh, you I read it. that in that literature class that I referenced earlier with with uh, Mrs. Blank. Um, in fact, we didn't have to. We did not have. She gave us a list that we could pick from, mm. and so that's the book I picked. I didn't know much about it. I just knew the name Cormac McCarthy because of No Country for Old Men. Um, Wait, isn't that, is that a book he wrote? Yeah. Oh, okay. something about that or of mice and I forget. That's no, not of mice and men. No, I forget. Was the other um, guy. Anyway, so I picked that one. Read it. It is still to this day one of my favorite novels. It is definitely not a novel for everyone, so don't everyone go read it. Maybe <laughs> read the abstract first, and yeah, it's very you. dark. It's one of the darkest books I've okay. read, but absolutely fantastic. And I wrote a my big research paper in that class was on that book, um, and so had multiple conversations just sitting in our office processing through this book, and it was absolutely, um, absolutely loved it. And she had, she knew the book inside and out, and so. We just got to have these great conversations on this really exquisite piece of art. So that was my favorite book. Yeah, so I don't really have a specific – I wish I did. One one of the most interesting experiences of my college time was sitting in a philosophy class. We did a, we did several different books, um, and the one of them was Plato's Republic, mm-hmm. which I always think is messed up because it's really about Socrates, but I guess Plato wrote it. And I was just so amazed. This guy that taught it – I don't remember his name. No, Thomas Heibel. He literally, like, memorized the book. Like, if you told him anything, he could tell you, like, what section, what chapter it was in. And he could, like, flip through his book and find anything. It was just amazing to see someone who knew a piece of literature that well. Right. I learned a lot. Um, My favorite book is Bridge to Terabithia. And I discovered that during college, but not because of college. Okay. I'm trying to think of other notable books. I read... um, 
not all of, but portions of John Durkheim, Peter Durkheim, and it's John something Peters, Speaking Into Air. It's a communication scholar book that really changed the way I see things. And then I also got to read um, The Disappearance of Childhood by Neil Postman. Oh, yeah. That's a book I would recommend everyone read. Yeah. It was really insightful. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the stuff I liked reading, too, were excerpts from books. I didn't even read yeah. the whole book, but like a right. chapter of a book. They were really good. Worst book you read in college. Do you have one? Um, <laughs> honestly, like some of some of I don't know, some of just the textbooks in your gen ed class, some of those readings just could not be more dull, I don't think. <laughs> yes. Um when there's no narrative to it, it's just, yeah. I'm thinking specifically of reading of Baroque era sonnet construction, <laughs> whatever. Not, I just, not your thing. Not, wasn't, it was not my thing. I'm sure it is for some people, but for me it was not. I can't think of a book that I was like, this is garbage. I, um, I don't have it with me. There's a book I'm reading right now called Disruptive Witness by Alan Noble. And oh, I know some yes. people really love this book. It just wasn't my thing at all. I would put it up there with the books I've least enjoyed reading. Okay, things about college life that need to die. Do you have something in mind? Because I, I don't. No, not no. really. Okay, so we'll just no. pretend that wasn't Yeah, that one wasn't in there. Okay, so um, moving on to kind of our experience here at Tacoa Falls specifically, but also all through college. One thing I wanted to ask was, um, what would you say it's like being a commuter? Because neither of us lived on campus at any part during our stay Um Knew a lot of people who lived on campus, made a lot of friends who live on campus, but you kind of exist in a bit of a different realm when you're a commuter because you're just not a part of a lot of the student life things. But then on the other hand, you do have kind of another life no one knows about apart from campus. So it's kind of this weird tension where you're the only thing connecting these two different realms. So um, what's it been like for you being a commuter? Like, What advice would you have to someone who was thinking about being a commuter? Because you do save a lot of money not living on school. And honestly, that was one of the main reasons. because even once I got married, I looked into maybe student housing on campus. Um, and again, it's just it was way too expensive. So the primary driver of that decision was financially based. Um, but there are definitely pros and cons. I think, I mean, the obvious con is you do not, I mean, I'm getting ready to graduate. And I, I have friends here, but I don't have a ton of them. Mm-hmm. I just haven't got to meet a ton of them. Um, the few events I have been here for, you get to meet people, you become friends. And like if that would happen more, I could just see... You coming away with maybe a bit of a richer college experience as far as friendships go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that part, um, I could that that part is definitely a, a con of it. The one pro of commuting though is that you can kind of get this other thing going. Um, so like we were able to buy a house and start making payments on that. Well, and, yeah, you got married. <laughs> and yeah, I got married. You can do all this other stuff without it being very disruptive to school life so like yeah you can and same for you you can go get married you can go buy a house because all those things work out fine if you're commuting um so it can make to where those two things can coexist a lot easier yeah so that would be a definite pro but yeah financially it's a big pro i think my perspective on this has been i've just noticed that if you're going to be a commuter which like i said we both did i think there there's so much that's available to you but no one hands it to you Like you have to work for it or you have to be intentional about seeking it out. And just by being intentional, I've actually had some really cool opportunities of stuff that I've gotten to be a part of, but it just took a little extra effort because whereas some kids are just going to walk across campus to show up, you're going to have to drive. Um, Thinking back, there was this time, yeah, just being intentional gets you so far. There was this time where I got this parking ticket at 
Tri-County that I thought was totally unjust. It was like a $50 parking ticket because I backed into a space instead of pulled in forward. And I was just livid because I didn't have any money. I was making minimum wage at that time, like two days a week for six-hour shifts or something. And so I wrote like multiple letters and I wrote an email to like the chief of police. I was just livid because I didn't think he'd actually read it or respond. But I was amazed, like, one day after class, there was this very large police guy sit, standing there after my English class. Right as the class dismisses, he, like, sticks his head and he's like, is Javen in here? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy beside me was like, yo, are you getting arrested? It's <laughs> like, I hope not. So I go out there. And uh, this guy, he was just so cool. But he was like, yeah. He's like, I read your email. Um, he's like, I dismissed your ticket. Because I think I did, like, a... a um, an appeal on yeah. the ticket. And he was like, I would actually like if you would be a part of um, the group that decides whether or not appeals should be granted or not. I think he could sense my fervor in the email. So I actually got to serve with like, there was like three or four faculty, three or four professors, this chief police guy and me as a student representative who would vote on whether or not people's ticket appeals like were legit or not. I just remember the, the moment that it really felt like I had accomplished something in the world was there was yeah. this one person who had appealed a ticket and like we voted and there was this one lady i just remember her she was so hardcore like she never voted to uphold an appeal she always thought they deserved everything and we voted and i was a tie-breaking vote and i got this person an appeal because i thought they deserved it and i was like <laughs> wow i just did something for the world that reminds me of a story do we yeah, have time for a quick story absolutely okay this is when we were at tri-county you mentioning police officers made me think of this right so i finished up my biology lab this was second semester freshman year and i'm walking to, into the parking lot to my car and I hear this yell behind me. And so I turn around and I see you sprinting from the basement oh, yeah. of the one building with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and I glance to my left and I see smoke rising from this vehicle. And here, this vehicle had caught on fire. And so you had seen it and grabbed that. So anyway, so cops are starting to come, but we were the you were the first one there. Okay, and then I, I came I over. I want to break in really quick. So, yes, this is another example of just being intentional. I'm walking back to my car because I'm a commuter in the parking lot. And I noticed, like, some white wisps coming out of this car. And I was like, I'm pretty sure there's just a dude up there vaping in his car. But I was like, that's pretty weird. I'm going to walk around and just check it. And, yeah, I peered into the window. And there's just, like, this old crappy car. And, this like, there are flames yeah. inside this car yeah. burning and smoke. Because it like, turned oh, to black smoke pretty crap. quick. <laughs> so, yeah, please, continue. No, and then, but then we got there. We got to – did we break the window? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. He Because the cop was there, and I think he let – You'd break it with the extinguisher, I think. So because of my relationship with this chief of police guy, I had right. his phone number in my phone. And I called him, and I was like, dude, there's a car on fire in the parking lot. You might want to come. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he came wheeling down there. I ran up to the building because, yeah, and I got a fire extinguisher, I think. Yeah. Because yep. there was one up there. First thing I grabbed was like this PPE thing. I don't know what it was, like one of those heart shockers. I was like, no, nah, this is not a fire extinguisher. <laughs> and then I actually got the real one and came down there. And then, yeah. I still feel bad for the guy, whoever's car it was, but like, just like broke the broke through yeah. the window and then just cool. like hosed his car down with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> I, we still don't know how it started. Who knows? No, I know. Yeah. Anyway, that was a what an experience. So yeah, then fun back to the being a commuter thing. So then, like here at Tacoma Falls College, um, I played intramural. Mm-hmm. Um, volleyball one time which was a really fun experience and then another thing i did was got a meal plan and actually my mom bought it for me but this just made so i could eat in the cafeteria make friends and then um also became the manager of eagle radio which was a lot of work as a commuter not being on campus but i got to interact with so many people 
And so I think, yeah, just like as a commuter, you have to put yourself into those places intentionally. They're not really handed to you, but they're there for you if you want to do them. I was also part of a political science club at Tri-County. It was a very interesting experience. Very nice. Got some free pizza one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's always handy. Um, so when you reflect back on it, what would be, like if you would have to try to create a uh, three-sentence summary of your favorite part of being a college student, mm-hmm. what would it be? Or maybe a pitch to someone else who's thinking about college and wants to know why college was good to you. Yeah. If you decide to go to college, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to give up. And one of those things is money. Um, You know, it's just, it is a sacrifice. But I am not remotely the same person that I was when I first walked up the very long flight of steps to Tri-County. Very long. Um, Like, it has changed me in ways, and I think... You said three sentences. We'll just have a lot of commas in one sentence as you go on and on. Um, what it is is it's a space that you get where you're actually required on a daily basis to think about important things in the world, to learn how to read, to learn how to write, to learn how to think, to be required to put thought into things that you otherwise would not make yourself do, to sit under the instruction of people who have given their lives to certain fields of education, to certain pursuits. And um, you just, I think you plug yourself in to a necessarily transformative experience. And I think that's my pitch for college. Like you will not be the same person that you would have been if you didn't go. And that's not to say that college is for everyone. Yeah. Because I don't think it is, but it was definitely for me. Right. Yeah. I think I would piggyback on that and add one caveat, I think. Um but I think for me, the favorite part of being a college student, I'm the same way. The person who I was walking up steps the first time to Tri-County, I don't even hardly – like I look <laughs> at pictures sometimes of me at that age and I, the thought that always pops through my mind is like, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> um, in some ways good, in some ways not. But I think largely good, I think. Yeah. Um, you ask people who know me real good <laughs> or <Right>. you, <laughs> whatever. Um, but – and I think – the way I think of college is it's this way where I had to submit to this thing that is ongoing, mm-hmm. um, to this process that's been going all the way back to Plato, Socrates, and before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that part, you cannot submit yourself to that without being transformed in some way. Again, yeah, college is not for everyone, but I think the caveat I would add is because of ways that college is set up, like we've talked about in more a utilitarian kind of view where, where you're just there to get your diploma, whatever else, and the ways that can be adopted throughout your college experience, I would say it is transformative, but it is only transformative to the level at which you submit yourself yeah, to it. that is a really um, good point. Because I have sometimes been that student, but most times I've been with <laughs> students who their parents were footing the bill, they're here, they barely make it to class in time, they sit in the back, sneak their phones out whenever they can, and leave without even jotting down maybe one note, except maybe when one project's due. Um, yep. And I don't think there's going to be much at all transformative about that experience. Yeah. In fact, I think you're wasting everyone's time. Um, so that would be the one caveat I would add. You know, the th- I remember the thing when I started going to Tri-County, um, to technical college. The one thing that I just really noticed was I was like, wow, in high school, I didn't have an option of whether or not to do assignments. Right. Like my high school teacher would be like, hey, like, why didn't you turn this in? Or my parents would ask about my grades. You're like, why didn't you do this? In college, like, I don't want to say no one cares, 
but like no one cares. Right. <laughs> it's on you yeah. to do your stuff or not do your stuff. And I agree. Like, yeah, I think you'll, you'll be transformed or may improve to the level that you submit yourself to what's right. going on. And one way just practically that you can do that, that I know has forced me is for both of us, we've, we've been helped out immensely by people, but still at the end of the day, like we have tried to pay our way through school. Yeah. And like when you pay for it, you realize you're giving your money towards something and that for you to barely show up for class, to use up all your attendance days, mm-hmm. to be lame in class and whatever and not pay attention, um, like it's just a really poor use of your limited finances. <laughs> and so like there, in a way that of you paying for it, it forces you to buy in um, to what's going on. Yeah, so without getting into the too personal nitty-gritty here, I was wondering... I, I know, I think I know the number for me, but like, what would you estimate that going to a tech school, being a commuter, and then transferring to a private college, like what's the total number that you think it costs you to get a four-year education? Um, well, again, it'd be kind of tricky to go offhand because like obviously you miss several days of like my first semester actually worked out nice where I could work Tuesday, Thursday, Well, I'm not days, talking but... about what you gave up. I'm talking about like the, the tuition costs. Oh, tuition costs. Um. And that's including or not including financial aid. Like, like what after debt finan- are you responsible oh, for? Oh, okay. I, okay. It's probably cost me, I would guess it's cost me 30000 Okay. The number I came up with was, I think it cost me 20000 Okay. But it's, it's going to vary on the situation. Yeah, you were at TFC longer. Yeah. And then it's going to depend on like what kind of financial aid you can get, what scholarships you can get. But I think it's really deceiving because when you look up, I'm actually going to look it up right now. When you look up to Falls College. Sorry, I was thinking of something else. I think I would be actually. Okay, let me think through that. Yeah, I would be right around that same number, maybe more like 22, 23 kind of area. But yeah, very similar. And it it can look really intimidating because like when you when you start looking at the application progress, I think to Falls. Baseline thirty four thousand. Yeah, they a say year. a year thirty four thousand a year. Yeah. And when you look at that, you're like, "There's no way I can go hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like, I'll never right. survive, especially right. if I don't want to get like a super you know fancy degree that's going to get me a, a great job. Like, if I want to just do English or something. Right. But like, I just don't even know why they do that because that is just not yeah. even because like all how much it's going to cost. Like my cheapest semester, I think here at TFC, I think I was right around two thousand the one semester. Yeah. Maybe twenty seven hundred. I forget, but it, so it depends it not, on your situation. Yeah. But like, I think the cost is often overblown when yeah. people talk about how much it's going to cost to get a degree. I think twenty thousand dollars is right about what it ended up costing me. So yeah. <laughs> I wanted to piggyback that question with this for you. Um, what did you have to give up to go to college? Like, yeah. what was the cost? Yeah, both like social, financial. I would say a couple different things, especially for those of you who are thinking about going to college. There is just a cost benefit trade off there with Mm -hmm. college it's just built into it it's just how it works and so like there is a significant cost to it and you have to count that and be just reckoned with that which i think you i say that at the beginning but at the same time i say that with humility because a lot of the things i didn't know that they would cost me until after i actually (laughs) did them Mm -hmm. um now at four years i look back and i can see how it did cost me some so um like what i mean by that is I mean, the first obvious one, it does cost you financially. I have not held a full-time job in four years. Yeah. I, and, and with that, you have to find ways to and make You have to survive. You have to survive. Yeah. You have to be willing to work Saturdays, evenings, too. And you also have to, um, we'll get into this more then, but if you're married, you have to be willing to ask someone else 
to basically to have the humility to ask someone else to support what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's a big ask of people. Um, and, and I think it's, it's good to give you long pause before you just ask that of people. Um, and so like, that's one thing you have to give up. You also have to be willing to give up, you give up lots of time, like with having to work and make ends meet, you do give up time. You also have to be okay with typically having assignments hanging over your head, um, giving up sleep, (laughs) um, staying up late, doing things like that. Um, so on a practical level, you have to be willing to give, give those kinds of things up. Um, and then, yeah, well, we'll get into this more later, but for you, like, what about, what about for you? Like, what were things you had to give up? Yeah, I think we'll talk. Let's I, talk about. We'll go talk about what it's been like to be married in college and things yeah. like that. Then, yeah, I think I resonate with what, what you said. You know, there's a time aspect. Like when your friends are gonna hang out late, like you want to yeah. be there, and I often I would be there. But you just know, like when I get home, like I still do have to write a paper. Yeah, that's gonna be due tomorrow. Um, and you know, like when I think back over like the vehicles I've bought, like I see some of my friends go out and buy like these really nice vehicles, and like. I'm not one who cares that much about vehicles, but like it did look super appealing sometimes to just have a vehicle that, that looks so dependable. Like I wouldn't ever have to fix that. And I just, you know, I remember one time in particular, I had bought this car that I just, I really loved it. It was really cool, but it wasn't like the most dependable thing. And, um, like the transmission went out and it was going to be like a thousand dollars. This is your red car? Yeah. My yeah. little red thing was awesome. Uh, Volkswagen. And I was living at home at the time. It wasn't like I had a lot of expenses, but it was mm-hmm. also like I had no money. Right. And I was just like, I just remember being like at my wit's end, like, I don't even know how I'm going to pay for this. And that's how I get to school. Like, I'm screwed. And in that situation, my parents stepped up and my dad just like helped me figure out how to get it fixed. I think they might have helped me financially. My parents were very generous helping yeah. me out. But but like, I also don't think that that's bad. Like, that also is part of what makes you into something else. Like you have to go through that to right. get to the end of it. And I, I, you wouldn't want it to be without that in some way, but right. it's not easy. Right. And I think like, I think about this a lot. Um, just that process was really humbling for me because faced many of those same kind of crisis where you're like, I literally don't have enough to cover this thing that went wrong. Like there's that margins not built in uh-huh. and the countless times that my family came through, my in-laws came through and just were unbelievably kind in helping us get out of jams. And I had to lay down some pride and (laughs) say, thank you for this gift. I couldn't have done it without you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I feel finishing up school. I feel that towards my wife, towards my in-laws, towards my family. It's like, thank you for joining me in this thing I tried to do. Um, I, I really couldn't have done it without you. Um, yeah, and, and, you, and that's really cool. And, and I, you know, at this stage I've been taking a, a lot from people and I'm ready to kind of exactly. give back. Um, but I'm really thankful for, I, I, I really, in a very honest, non-cliche sense, like in a very physical, tangible way, I could not have done it without the kindness mm-hmm. of, of both my family, my wife's family, and also just community people around me. And I like what you said. I think, you know, and now you want to give back. And I think that's what education should be. Because I think a lot of times people take the motto where, like, I'm just going to take out $50,000 worth of student loans, but I'm going to get a good job and then I'll pay it back. Right. Or what you described is more like people around me, my community poured into me to help me do this, and now I've been prepared in a way that I can better do my job of giving back to them. And I think that's a really good way to look at things. One one more thing I wanted to say really quick is just – we should have said this earlier, probably one misconception that I had going in was that maybe I wasn't smart enough to go to college. And I wonder yeah. if you also <laughs> felt this. Yeah, exactly. I was like, man, like I got some pretty good grades in high school. 
most times. But, like, what if I just can't cut it? And um, I, I want to hear what you say, but, like, I just realized, I guess, pretty early on, it's not that it's easy academically, but if you're willing to push through Absolutely. and try and at least read the readings and write the assignments, you will do better than, like, half the class. Yeah. Yep. And you will pass and you will succeed. If you are willing to do it, it's not about being brilliant. Yeah, that's what I found. Um, I would absolutely echo that because I think about it. I've been thinking about it some because I'm working on my senior project right now. And it's been it's one of the big it's probably it is the biggest project I've ever done. Mm -hmm. But like I would say my stress level for this is lower than for some two page papers I had my freshman and sophomore (laughs) year because they loomed over me. and I just did not feel like I could get them done. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And I guess after four years of submitting to this work, like with my senior project, it's just like, I actually have a fair amount of confidence. Like, I'm going to get that done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to sit down and just do it. But I can. I'm going to have to start how. putting words on the page. But mm-hmm. I know that discipline. I've done that discipline for four years, and I'll do it again to finish this. And I can finish this. And it has really actually has fairly little to do with my own amount of smartness or dumbness. It yeah, has more to, yeah, Yeah. It has more to do with, like, am I willing to... Give us some time again and just sit down and force myself yeah. into doing it. And it's going to depend on the situation that you find yourself in in college, like the context. But I just remember in English 10, no, 201, I was like known as the only kid who did the readings. I was like, are you serious? Like you got none of you guys are actually doing the readings the teacher assigns us to have read before we come to class. I was like, I was that guy. Yep. So sometimes putting in just a little bit of effort automatically yeah. puts you at the top of the class. Which I will I will throw out for all of you so you don't get guilt-tripped. I skipped some readings. I did most readings. Yeah, no, readings. not everyone I does every, all the – I have not done all the readings. But, uh, you know, generally speaking. I have not – I have not riv- or, or, or rised, raised to that level. Rised, raised. Okay, this is a fun question. We need to wrap up. Yeah. If you had an alternate life in which you could have chosen another career path – another major, or I don't want to say career path. I want to say major. If you could have put your four years into exploring a different major, what would have you picked? Um, probably would have picked either nursing, Ooh, yeah. chemistry, or philosophy of religion. Nice. So pretty much three completely diverse <laughs> in past. <laughs> what about you? Um, I feel like my answer is a little bit of a cop-out, but I think throughout my whole time here, I've always thought that um, if I had a second choice, it would be counseling psychology. Yeah. There's a good program here at TFC that does counseling psychology, and I want to go get a master's in that, so I guess I am going to actually try yeah. and do that. But then, yeah, also just the, um, to just pour yourself into biblical studies right. completely yeah. would have been really interesting. Yeah, too. and like to learn an ancient language mm-hmm. would have been would, – I, w- I would enjoy that too. We could wrap up with this then. We both got married in college. Yeah. Some other people might think about getting married in college. What would you say to them? Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Like, it's it's worth it. Um, I remember when me and Alicia were dating, I just remember telling her, like, hey, I don't want to get married before I'm done with college. <laughs> what a naive thing to say. Which was like, it was like two years out at that point. Like, we're just going to date for two and a half years. Which some people do that. More yeah. power to you. It wasn't yeah. for us. Um, I will say... Like you said, it's humbling. And especially if you've grown up from a paradigm where the male is always the provider and is the head of the household mm-hmm. and is the one who always yeah, provides, like you're going to definitely be challenged because if you're taking a full-time class load, you simply 
I don't want to say cannot, but it's almost impossible to hold down a full-time job. Like, and be a decent husband. And be a decent husband. Yeah. Like, you just physically aren't able to do everything. And like yeah. you said, it, it means asking. For me, it's meant asking my wife to step up. And right now she has a job, and she provides for us. And so when we go grocery shopping, it's her money. And when yeah. we buy a car, it's her money. And when we do anything, it's her money. And it's it's humbling as a guy because right. I'm I'm not able to provide in that sense, but um, we're investing in our future, but I'm not able to, to right. make the money right now. So that's something that uh, you need to be prepared for if you're right. going to do that. What would yeah. you say? I would say the same thing. I would – a couple different things. Um, for one, it goes right along with the same thing we were just talking about, about counting the cost. Like it will cost not only you something, it will cost your spouse something. Mm-hmm. And that's something just to really sit and let it sit with you. Um because I think, I think the one thing of advice that I would say is I think I would say go ahead and get married in school. I've been married pretty much my whole mm-hmm. college experience. Doing undergrad studies, I don't know I would recommend that necessarily. Just because like that is a long time to scrape what, by, kind of. What would you not recommend? Like getting married that early on. Like you got married with one year left. And even getting married, like in the middle, I think I've spent most of my time married, which we've (laughs) learned so much and it's, it's done really good things. But at the same time, (laughs) that galvanizing process has been really hard at times, um, to make it through some of the things and the financial strain that is ongoing. And then, you know, I, I'm totally, it's been so humbling for me to, um, have to ask for those things from my wife for her to work and for that to support us and things like that. But I think the part then that has gotten when it goes on for so long is you start not feeling humbled, but almost aborted, like, like guilty because you've asked something, mm-hmm. this person to keep giving up and keep giving up mm-hmm. and keep giving up. And, and, um, and she's done that and, and stuck with me, which makes me super grateful for her and for sticking with it and doing that. And I wouldn't be here, um, without that, but at the same time, Oh, this is about the house we might be renting in Arizona. I really got to take this. <laughs> To be continued. Oh. And we're back. <laughs> Javen is all well. Yeah, we didn't get the house. Oh, man. But he gave me some good advice. He was sympathetic. He said he moved there from Chicago a long time ago. So That's helpful. So we talk about marriage, college, bottom line, count the cost because it will have a yeah. cost. But there's also... But it's really been, rich and rewarding, too. Yes, absolutely. And the way is that it does kind of like... Um, it does just galvanize you around a few core things mm-hmm. and... And that and that part, it's really meaningful. And so yeah, I go think for it, it. it gives your life a really your life together a really kind of directional purpose. It's not yeah. like we're just kind of existing and trying to make some money and get ahead in life, which right. is a great thing to do. But um, it's like <laughs> we're surviving until we get through this period right. of our lives, and then we can look forward to the next thing. So it, and we've had yeah, yeah so many late night conversations on the couch for like that exact theme where we can come back to and like we just feel good about like settling out to this thing that you mm-hmm. find of worth. Um, and, yeah, it makes it tight. And you have to give yeah, someone gave me advice one time um, from the from Scripture. They said there's the parable of the guy who finds a treasure in a field. And once he deems that it's, um, it's something that's worth everything he has, he sells all his possessions to go buy the treasure. Mm-hmm. Or to go buy the field, rather. Right. That was something that I've, I've kind of always remembered. You know, when you find something that, that's worthwhile – don't hold back. Go for it. Yeah. All right, guys. Absolutely. 
that's all the wisdom and knowledge we have for you on that. Actually, it's not. We could probably talk a lot longer. But um, thanks for but tuning in. might be all the wisdom. Yeah, you know, we can always say more. <laughs> we can always say more. Yeah, it's amazing. I think we put out like 43 episodes now. Wow. So much knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. My word. <laughs> I think I ran out of stuff to say about 27 episodes ago. All right, congratulations to Luke and to Will. Um, hope you guys enjoy your gifts. Absolutely. We're planning on having one more episode next week. We'll see how things plan out. That would be the probably the day before graduation. So we'll kind of see how we're feeling, see what's going on. But thank you guys for sticking with us um, mm-hmm. through four seasons, through a lot of episodes, through yep. a lot of changes, us learning how, how to do this and figuring it out. It's I been really back good. to some of the first episodes. I don't because I usually don't listen to any of our episodes, but every now and again I'll go and listen to one. And you listen to the beginning, a couple yeah, it's ones, interesting. and I. It's, it's interesting. I hope there's many cringe times <laughs> yeah. for me. But I was just talking to Ken Turner yesterday. He was yeah. the first guest we ever had. We talked about yeah. Sabbath. We were in this room right here. We had like a a really, hot. really bad microphone situation. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah. And, you know, we just learned. We got through and we did better. Yeah. And that's what it's about. And that's what, I mean, you submit yourself to this work and you like Get better it. at it. Yeah. We're leaving the place a lot better than we found it down here for sure. That is unquestionable. Which did not take much to get... <laughs> better than it when we came in but irregardless irregardless that's how we'll end the show irregardless I don't think that's a word I think it is a word actually now hmm. anyway God bless Have God a great bless week. peace <laughs>